Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I feel good. How about you guys? I hope everybody listening. <clears throat> I hope everybody out there is staying fit, staying healthy, especially in the climate that we're living in and so forth. Um, but you know, let's not waste any time. We, you know, you guys know what I, you know, I'm preseason football. I, I digested some of these rookie, you know, the rookie quarterbacks' performances and so forth. So you guys know I'm gonna talk about that. I'm definitely gonna talk about these rookie quarterbacks. I think is I think it's just so fascinating how all like all eyes on, on these rookies and so many people are tuning in to watch these rookie quarterbacks take their first snaps, including myself. So, but it, it's it's just so fascinating that we have conversations and you know. The baits revolving in. So it, it, it's crazy. It's a lot of pressure on these guys, too. A lot of pressure on these guys. But I'm going to talk about their performances. Uh, I, I took away something from all of them. <clears throat> so it, that's that's going to be pretty entertaining to listen to. Um, also, Tim Tebow, his future in the NFL or so forth, or, what, or more so what happened in Jacksonville. You know, what happened in Jacksonville with Tim Tebow. Um, and then other than that, I think I'm ready to give you guys my predictions. I think, I think I'm ready to give you guys my predictions. So I may give you guys those, um, in this, in this episode as well, the predictions I feel pretty comfortable about. We still got some, we still got a couple weeks away from, you know, the real thing week one. Um, but I, I think I'm ready. I'm ready. So let's not waste any time. Let's 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 jump right in to these rookie quarterbacks. And but first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kidd Podcast. Um, like I like I always say, shouts out to you guys for um always continuing to listen. Um Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you're a first-time listener, shouts out to you. If you're a regular listener, I greatly appreciate you guys continually, con- you know, continuously coming back to listen to me and my rhetoric. Uh, um, uh, you know, shouts out to everybody that's been, you know, sharing the podcast and making and helping me grow this podcast as well. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. I love the um the you know the amount of listeners that we have gained in the track. So that's great. Rookie quarterbacks. Let's start. So we have five first-round quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. Those are the five guys that were taken in the first round at the quarterback position. And fans, I tell you this, (laughs) fans are so crazy about their team, and, and Fanatic is short for fan. Fans are fanatics about their team, about their quarterback, how well did they play, how, like, if if they're if a, if a fan's rookie quarterback play well, oh, he he he's the franchise. He he's the franchise quarterback for the next ten to fifteen years. If he doesn't play well in the preseason, it's oh boy, oh boy, did we make the right pick? Did we screw this one up? And I tell you this: when I'm talking to some of you guys, <laughs> when I'm talking to people, it's it's always black and white. They leave no room for context, no no gray area. They leave no room for any gray area or or or, or context at all, right? And I must admit, I, you guys know I, you 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 guys heard my comments um about Mac Jones in his preseason in his preseason debut. But all five of these quarterbacks, all five of these quarterbacks, they all show glimpses of what was advertised before the draft. 
you know, watching them throughout their throughout their season. Obviously, Trey Lance didn't play much football this past year, but everything that was advertised, we saw glimpses of from all five of these guys. Trevor Lawrence, granted, his offensive line is not that good at all. Like his offensive line is horrible, but it it's definitely a work in pro a work in progress. But with Trevor, you're getting a tall, big guy can make all the throws, can deliver the ball from the pocket, grip pocket presence, uh, accurate thrower of the football. Like, he showed, he showed he's a stud. Trevor, Trevor, he he showed he was a stud, and he showed what he can do, despite the poor offensive line play. Uh, Zach Wilson, a lot of what was advertised about Zach Wilson, I saw, we saw glimpses of. He, you know, very springy, very twitchy, um, small, but strong arm, big arm, good arm talent. Uh, he, he try to, he, he, sometimes he makes something out of nothing. Um, so we saw a lot of that. We saw a lot of, we saw a lot of that in Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. We saw eye popping athleticism, athleticism that pops off the TV screen, strong arms. Uh, we, we saw all of that on display with those guys. And with Mac Jones, like I said, we you know a guy that's accurate. He's gonna make a lot of the anticipatory throws. Uh, he has pure pocket passer. He's efficient. He's not gonna make a lot of mistakes. We what, so what was advertised about all five of these quarterbacks? We saw glimpses of. We saw shades of it in their first preseason games, which is a good sign. Now preseason, it, you know. It's 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 always hard to tell in preseason because there's some guys that light it up in preseason, but then in the regular season they drop back down to earth. They come back down to earth. Then there's some guys that that don't play good in in preseason at all, but then in the regular season they turn it up and they look like a totally different player. So that's where it's kind of hard to evaluate these guys um, in certain you know at certain positions and so forth, but. All of these, but what fans need to understand is this. As far as context and gray area, I always talk about it. It's where these guys land. A lot of the, a lot of this is based, it's going to be a lot of their success is going to be based upon the teams that they play for. Simple as that. And it's, 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 I mean, all five of these guys can play. They can, all five can play. But if, if 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 history serves us correctly, two of these guys probably are not going to work out. Like two of these guys are probably not going to be franchise caliber guys. Um, and then maybe two of them will be like star level quarterbacks. Two, maybe two, three of them could be star level, close to elite level quarterbacks. But all of these guys are going to be thrust into different situations. They're going to be thrust into different situations. That's just the fact of the matter. Um, so I think when, like when, when I think with the quarterback position, especially, we a lot of it is judged upon the wins and loss column. And I'm sure, yes, winning matters. I'm not saying winning doesn't matter, but let's pick apart and let's actually tell the full story. And behind and looking at and just, you know, stop looking at the numbers when it comes to a lot of this stuff and or the win loss total, I should say, as far as the quarterback position, because Trevor Lawrence, 
I think it's going to work out. I think he's going to work out, and I think he's going to be the guy for Jacksonville. But this upcoming season, I don't expect a lot from Jacksonville as far as in the win column. I just don't. Um, and like I said, these guys are going to be thrust into different positions. And let's, and let's look at every situation for all five of these quarterbacks. So I, I mentioned Jacksonville, uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think he's going to probably be the week one starter though. Urban Meyer has yet the name a guy. I, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I have, there's, there's strong possibility that Trevor Lawrence will be the week one starter. Um, so that's that, but Jacksonville as a whole, not a lot. I mean, they play in a, a a really weird division, but you look at the surrounding cast around Trevor Lawrence, not much, especially when you compare it to some of the other guys in this draft class, but it's not much. But I think the, also the biggest question for Jacksonville is with Urban Meyer. I mean, can Urban Meyer, all-time great college football coach, can he make the shift from college football to NFL? That's the big thing. Right. That 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 is that's the big question surrounding the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Obviously, all attention is on Trevor Lawrence, but we're definitely going to be paying attention to Urban Meyer. And we already have been to some of the decisions that he's been making. Uh, So that's that in Jacksonville. As I mentioned, offensive line is it's very much a work in progress. So we'll see how that transpires. But you look at the Jets and, and Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, once again, similar to Trevor Lawrence, not a lot around him. Um, Jets fans are relatively high um, on their team this year. I, I, you guys know I'm not huge on the Jets this year at all. Uh, I, 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 just look at the first-year head coach. First-year head coach and Robert Salah. I like Robert Salah, but he he has a lot to prove as a head coach. Um, and I'm looking at the division that he's going to coach in or coach against, I should say. I, you got – Sean McDermott in Buffalo, Bill Belichick, obviously New England, and then Brian Flores in Miami. Three three really good defensive-minded guys with three good defenses. So it's going to be very difficult with Zach Wilson and Robert Sala, I think, for the first year at least. It's going to be very difficult. So we'll see how that transpires. Plus, it's the Jets. Come on. But then I look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance (laughs) – he, he's walking into a Super Bowl caliber team. The 49ers, their Super Bowl window is open. They're very much a Super Bowl caliber roster with Kyle Shanahan, a, a, a off like an offensive whiz as the head coach. Brilliant offensive mind. So it's it's so when you the first two guys that I mentioned in Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Totally different situation from Trey Lance. Trey Lance is he's giving he's he's basically getting the keys to a luxury vehicle, and they saying don't crash it basically. So, but it, I don't think Trey Lance is going to be the starter. That's the thing. I don't think he's going to be the starter. The first two guys are. They're going to be thrown in the fire with the. In, in, <laughs> they're going to be thrown to the wolves in the fire week one. Trey Lance, I don't think he starts in week one. Um, the only the only way I see Trey Lance starting in week one is if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. But I don't he's not gonna get hurt in preseason, I don't think. So he won't be starting week one. But he is going into a great, a great situation with a great foundation. And then I look at Justin Fields, 
he gets a little bit of both of the uh, a little bit of the both both uh, the best of both worlds uh, sort of right Matt Nagy who some people like a lot of people don't if he doesn't get off to a really good start this year he could possibly he can be possibly on the hot seat possibly um Chicago doesn't have all of the offensive weaponry that I don't know that the 49ers may have but defensively they're really good this ball club they they went eight and eight last year they made the playoffs so they're so there's they're decent offensively they just don't they just don't have the same talent up front or at the skill positions that the 49ers possess um and then lastly with mac jones mac jones is inheriting uh bill belichick josh mcdaniels as his oc um not necessarily the best skill positions as far as like play. He don't have the best talent at the skill positions, but he has a really solid defense. We think um, in, in new England. And like I said, great coaching. So those are kind of the situations. And I think Justin Fields, I think he probably will start week one. Uh, the, the fans are really high on Chicago. Uh, Chicago's just happy. They have a franchise quarterback or it, it looks to seem as if they have a franchise quarterback, right? Uh, and then Mac Jones hit that, that situation in New England as far as him being the starter. We keep a close eye on that, but it, it really could go either way. It really could go either way. With me, me, my personal opinion, I would probably start Cam week one. I do think if I do think at some point Mac Jones will get the play, whether it's sooner than later. I think at some point he will get to play and he will get to play significant amount of he he'll get to play a significant amount of time, I think. That's just my opinion. But those are the situations, those are the foundations that these quarterbacks are walking into. And I would I, I would just have to say, I think Trey I think Trey Lance and Mac Jones are both walking into the best situations. Granted, New England. They haven't drafted well at the receiver position. Granted, they don't have, like I said, they don't have the best talent at, at, at the skill positions, but they have really good coaching, and their defense is going to be really good. Really good coaching, offensive coordinator and Josh McDaniels, and then Bill Belichick, obviously, and then the defense defensively, they're going to the defense is going to keep them in a lot of ball games. So, and then Trey Lance, like I said. The 49ers are a Super Bowl quality team. Offensive line, tight end, receiver, defense, coach, they have it all. <laughs> they have it all. So I just want people to keep that in mind as the season progresses and just keep that in mind when certain quarterbacks are having success or lack thereof. Just keep the situations and foundations in mind. That's all. That's all. I think all of these guys play really, like I said, for the most part, all of these rookie quarterbacks played really well this past weekend. Uh, Justin Fields probably probably had the most consistent um, play. You know, he probably had the most consistent game, I would say. Uh, but all of these guys played really well this past weekend in their preseason debuts. Simple as that. Before I get into my uh, NFC and AFC predictions for the season, 
just got breaking news this afternoon that uh Jamal Adams is signing a four-year, $70 million deal with the Seattle Seahawks. So we all knew this time was coming where Jamal Adams, his contract year, uh, he remember, he wanted the Jets, he, he wanted to become the highest paid safety in football. The Jets couldn't do it. The Jets didn't want to do it. So they end up trading him, and the Seahawks traded for him. So that's just a quick little reminder. Um, so he got a $20 million signing bonus. Um, I'm trying to look at all the details and give it to you guys. $38 million guaranteed um, and an average yearly salary of about $17.5 million. Um, and now in 2021, this year, Adams is on the last, I think he's on the last year. Yeah. So he's on the last year of his rookie deal, which is, which is about $9.8 million. So the, the contract really won't start coming in full effect until next year when he turns 27, the year 2022. So that's just the basics of it. And with this deal, I know it's a four year, $70 million deal, but you can, he can end up making $72 million. Now, the Seahawks, I, I, I think Jamal Adams is a really good safety, more of a box safety. He's more of a box safety. He's not the best. He's not the best cover guy, but uh, regardless, he's a really good safety. Now, with that being said, and I like Jamal Adams a lot. I like. I, I talk about Jamal Adams very fondly on this podcast before. Um, I think he's a hard worker, one of the hardest hitting safeties in football and so forth. But the Seahawks, once again, dropped the ball on this deal. The, the Seahawks, once again, dropped the ball on this deal. They waited until the last minute to give Jamal Adams this deal. And, I, and I'm just going to go out here and say it, and I, and I hate to be this guy after a guy just gets paid. I hate to be this guy, but Jamal Adams is overpaid. And he does have limitations. There's no such thing as a perfect player. Uh, but Jamal Adams definitely has limitations. And as I talked about, he's not the best cover guy. In today's NFL, typically you want your safeties, your safeties, it's required that your safeties pass cover more nowadays. Just with the style of play, you your safeties have to do more covering. And that's not Jamal Adams' best trait. His best trait is in the box, coming down, blowing the play up, coming down, blowing whoever who whoever the ball carry is. That's his best trait. Um, and and I'm not trying to and like I said, I like Jamal Adams a lot. I like his game a lot. I'm not blaming him. Get your money. A lot of players are going to try to take advantage of the fact that the salary cap is going to increase next year. So players and agents and their representatives are going to use that as a as a negotiation tactic and they're going to use they're going to use that as leverage and as an advantage as far as getting the new getting these new deals done but I'm just telling I'm just telling it like it is the Seahawks once again have dropped the ball on this deal and for for a team that's already top heavy I and I talk, I talked about this not too long ago on a couple episodes ago, I talked about Seattle and with Dwayne Brown. I talked about I talked about how the, the Seahawks 
need to find a way to pay Dwayne Brown. And I got and I dove into their financial situation. And over the last couple of years, over the last several years, the Seattle Seahawks have been very top heavy and they haven't drafted well. They've either given away their first round picks or they haven't drafted well. And typically in this league, <clears throat> the good front offices, the best front offices don't run into these type of situations. They don't run into them. And as I explained, and, and you know, when I first presented this, the Seahawks traded for Jamal Adams. They gave away two first round picks. <clears throat> um, and they traded that that was that was that was substantial. That was the substantial pieces that they gave up. They gave away two first rounders. When Seattle did that deal, when they did that deal, they should have pre-negotiated this contract. They should have they should have pre-negotiated this contract after they got that trade done. They knew they they knew Jamal Adams had the intent on being paid and being paid like he's the best safety in football. He had that intent. That was the problem with the Jets. He he wanted to be paid. The Jets couldn't pay him. The Jets didn't want to pay him. However you want to sort it out. The Seahawks traded for him. The Seahawks knew after his first year, he it was time for an extension. It was time for a new deal. The Seahawks should have pre-negotiated this deal. The longer you wait, the more expensive it becomes. And with the Seahawks, when you're a team that's straddling the fence as far as financially, the Seahawks are going to be a good team this year. They're going to be a good football team this year. Um, if they remain healthy, they're going to they're gonna be a playoff caliber team this year, and they're going to have a shot at, 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 you know, at you know contending. They're going to have a shot at contending this year. So don't take this out of context. I just I just talked about the Seahawks financial troubles and this right here is another page to that book. It's another page to that book as to the Seahawks being top heavy overpaying certain guys but the fact of the matter is <clears throat> this deal should have been pre-negotiated or or if the Seahawks threw a number out there, they should have stick to their guns. They should have stick to their guns. If they threw a number out there, they should have stick to their guns, and they should have told Jamal Adams, this is the number that we want you for. This is what we're offering. Take it or leave it. But they waited so long. They waited to the last minute. They got a deal done. And, I mean, good for Jamal Adams. He gets paid. I ain't mad at it. I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to be the guy that pocket watches. I ain't mad at it. He got paid. He got his money. He became the highest paid safety ever. By the way, that deal, four year, four year, $70 million deal, that is the largest contract for a safety of all time, right? So Jamal Adams made history. No problem with that at all. Because I think he's a great guy. I think he works hard. He's worked hard for it. He's earned it. But he does have limitations. And as I said, as far as pass coverage, he leaves a lot to be desired. And we'll see how this affects the Seahawks defense. We'll see how this affects uh, the Dwayne Brown and his contract situation. We'll see how this affects the Seahawks season. 
Um, but I didn't, I, I, and I really didn't want to spend too long on this, but we'll see how this, we'll see how it works out. Um, but Seattle, once again, another blunder contractually, another blunder contractually, and you still got to find a way how to pay the Dwayne Brown. You still got to find a way to pay Dwayne Brown, your left tackle. Good luck with that. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to give you guys my NFC and AFC predictions. That was breaking news. So I, I, I had to cover that. I had to talk about that. But I'm going to give you guys my NFC, AFC predictions uh, for the season. Come on. So as mentioned, my uh, my predictions, I'm going to start with the AFC, then go to the NFC. So <clears throat> let's start with the AFC East. Uh, I think it's all clear. Buffalo is the superior team in this division. Uh, I think they'll win it at 12 and five. Uh, I have, so this, this is where it gets a bit tricky for me because I'm huge. I'm, I'm very high on Miami. They went 10 and six last year. I think they got better in their, like they got, they strengthened their weaknesses. So I always see that as a plus. Um, I want to see more of Tua, just more of Tua and how he fits, um, with this roster. They got him some more, they got him some explosive playmakers on the outside. So I do think Miami got better. Uh, so it, it, it would make sense that they have an identical or a better record than they had last year. But with New England, I think New England also got a little bit better. And I think looking at the situation that they had to deal with last year, they won seven games and they their quarterback caught COVID. Their quarterback was it was he was in there. Cam Newton was in his first year under Belichick and Josh McDaniels. Uh, they and also and most importantly, probably they were missing. I think eight to nine defensive starters due to opting out. You know, due to COVID. So, with that being said, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a lean. I'm a lean with New England to go ten and seven. I I I'm not I'm not so sold on this, but I'm a lean with New England ten and seven, and with and due to my. I'm 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 startling the fence fence with my with Tua. Due to that, I'm gonna have Miami at nine and eight. I I I think both teams can go ten and seven, but I'm gonna go with New England at ten and seven and Miami at nine and eight. But I do think both teams are really good football teams, uh, and well coached. And then in last place, I have New York Jets finishing in last place at five and twelve. Like I said, first year coach, first year, uh, first year quarterback. You're playing in a tough division. I think it's going to be a really tough division. Uh, I just don't see how you squeak out ball games. It, it, you know, I, I got them at five and twelve. Um, let's go with the AFC West. AFC West, obviously, similar situation. Kansas City is superior. Is a superior team in the division. I think they win a division at twelve and five. Um, I'm not so, I, I, you know, the offensive line, I, I I like how they rebuilt the offensive line. They retooled it. So Kansas City, barring any injury, they should be back into the playoffs as one of the top seeds in the AFC. Uh, second place, I have the Chargers at 10 and 7. I think they take a jump um, along with Justin Herbert. I think he takes his leap. Um, they rebuilt their offensive line. Still not, it's not a great offensive line, but they added some pieces that I really like. Elijah Vera Tucker. Obviously, and they had the big time signing of Corey Lindsley. So I think those help. Also, I'm looking towards a healthy defense. 
a healthy Derwin James. So I think defensively they'd be better. I had the Chargers at 10 and 7. Uh Raiders, the Broncos, it's a toss up for me. I got them both at 7 and 10. Um, the Broncos inconsistency at the quarterback position. I'm not sure what I'm getting. And then with the Raiders, uh, their offensive line was probably their strongest unit last year. The offensive line got dismantled. So I'm not huge on the Raiders. Um, and I just think the AFC is just too deep. Next up, AFC South. I, I always find this a very weird division to pick. Um, so I, I am seeing reports that Carson Wentz, it could be back for week one. If that's the case, if I get a healthy Indianapolis team, I'm willing to go with them. I'm going to go with Indianapolis healthy at 10-7, and seven, winning the division. I think they have a better overall roster than Tennessee. Um, I, I think Tennessee got the flashier weapons, but I think overall, looking at line of scrimmage play, um, the defense, I, I think Indianapolis has the better overall team. So I'm going to go with Indianapolis. Um, the, but I think the Titans, I think both teams can win this division. It's definitely a two team race. I feel like, um, I think the Titans, I got them at nine and eight. So I, I you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to come down to the last game of the season to see who's going to, you know, get that playoff spot for the AFC South, because I don't think this division is necessarily good enough to get two teams possibly. I don't know. So we, 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 we'll see. With Tennessee, I'm very skeptical of their defense. They had the worst third down defense in football last year. They they drafted Caleb Farley, who I like as a prospect, but the injuries are a bit they're they're head scratching. They're they're worrisome. So I'm not sure what to expect defensively, especially from a young secondary in Tennessee. I'm not sure what I'm getting. So I, I, I'm willing to roll the dice with Indianapolis because they have the better overall roster. Um, with Jacksonville, I got them at 6-11. and 11. Like I said, I think it's a work in progress. Uh, we got to see first-year head coach in Urban Meyer. We got to see how he makes the transition from college football to the NFL. Uh, like I think, Trey, I think Trevor Lawrence will be fine. Uh, but I think the offensive line, like I said, offensive line, worrisome. Uh, the defense, not sure. I'm just not sure what I'm getting from Jacksonville. Definitely a work in progress. I got them at six and eleven. A very competitive six and eleven football team. Um, and then lastly, the Houston, the Houston Texans. I, I got them at three and fourteen. I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, I don't. Even, I'm not even sure if they win three games, but I'm just, I'm just giving them that just so I can be respectful. But three and th three and fourteen for the Houston Texans. Um, and then lastly, the AFC North, a, another compelling division. Um, I got Baltimore. I, I, this was another coin flip for me. I got Baltimore over Cleveland. And the reason why I have Baltimore over Cleveland, Baltimore knows what it feels like to be the hunted. They know they know what that feel like. Cleveland, this is kind of new territory for them. That they're coming off a really good year. They they want a playoff game. You know, they their team looks really good. I think their roster is really good. I think they have a great roster, um, and they improved on their weaknesses. I think both teams will make the playoffs, but I'm going to go with Baltimore to win that big game at the end of the year. At the end of the regular season, I'm going to go with Baltimore to win that game. So I got Baltimore 11-6 and six and Cleveland at 10-7. and seven. I got Pittsburgh at 8-9. Uh, offensive line still trying to retool it. Uh, Big Ben, I'm not. I'm not huge on Ben Roethlisberger coming into this year. 
Um, and plus the other two, the top two teams in their division, it's just they're just simply better than Pittsburgh at this moment. So I got them at eight, nine, and then Cincinnati, I think uh similar to Jacksonville, I think they may be a bit a little bit better than Jacksonville, perhaps. Um, but a very competitive six and eleven uh with Cincinnati. Um, NFC, let's start with the NFC West. The NFC West, uh, or no, I should say the NFC East. Let's start with the NFC East. NFC East, uh, I got Dallas at 10 and 7. Um, I think obviously, offense, the like a healthy Dak and a healthy offensive line, that's that's what's gonna make or break the Cowboys season. So that's that. But I'm expecting their defense to be a little bit better this year. I think their defense is gonna be a bit average, it's gonna be a bit average. But I think their offense is going to be able – it's going to be an elite offense that's going to be able to overcome sometimes that average defensive play. So I think they get 10-7. and seven. Um, I think the Washington football team, they go 9-8. and eight. I think defensively, really good. Probably a top-five defense. The defense is going to keep them in a lot of football games. But I know what I'm getting from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, he's going to throw you in a lot of games, and he's going to throw you out of a lot of games. So I think Washington is 98 football team, still really good. I still think they make the playoffs. Um, the New York Giants, I'm not, I, I'm not sold on their offensive line, and I do think this is a make or break year for Daniel Jones. But the offensive line, it, it the, the line play for me with the Giants, that's that's where I struggle at. That, you know, you look at the other spots in the units and their on, on their team, really good. But the offensive line, that's why I'm worried some. And then Daniel Jones. He he commits a lot of turnovers, so I, I'm gonna go eight and nine with the Giants, and then the Eagles they're rebuilding. Uh, Philadelphia fans may not want to hear it, but you guys are rebuilding. I got them at four and thirteen. Um, <clears throat> NFC. Oh, let's start with the NFC. Oh, let's move on to the NFC North. NFC North. Uh, I got Green Bay at. I got Green Bay at ten and seven. Um, it's a lot of drama, obviously, but you got Aaron Rodgers under center. They're returning a really good football team this year. So they'd be 10-7. They'd be able to win a division. Um, I got Minnesota coming in second place at 9-8. and eight. They'd be very entertaining. I think they're going to score some points. Similar to Tennessee, they they got a young secondary. Um, a, a, they're trying to retool their defense. Um, so I got them at 9-8. and eight. I think they'd be trying to battle for a playoff spot. Uh, probably don't make it, though. Um, the Chicago Bears, I got them at 8-9. I think they're going to be entertaining to watch more so because of Justin Fields. I think he'll get some significant playing time. Um, but the defense is going to keep them in a lot of games as well. But I got them at 8-9. Uh, and then Detroit, I got them at 5-12. and 12. Uh, <clears throat> NFC South. So, obviously, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 13-4. and four. They're the best team in the division. Uh, and, and next, I got New Orleans at 9-8. and eight. I think New Orleans does New Orleans does take a step back this year. Um, I'm not sure what their quarterback situation is. I do I do have enough faith in their roster and in Sean Payton that they'll figure it out and they'll try to piece mill it together throughout the season. But I don't think it's going to be quite enough um, to sneak into the playoffs. But I got them at nine and eight. They're going to still be a respectable football team. Um, I got Carolina eight nine. I think Carolina once again. A very entertaining offensive team. Still got some work to do defensively, but I like the direction Matt Rule has this football team going into, and I think Sam Donald turns it around a little bit. So I'm going to go 8-9 and nine for the Carolina Panthers. And then lastly, I got the Atlanta Falcons at 7-10. and 10. 
they won't they won't struggle to score points. It's just that they can't stop a nosebleed. So that's that in uh in Atlanta. And then lastly, the NFC West, which I think is the best division in football. Um, I got the Rams finishing first. Once again, it's a coin flip between the Rams and Seahawks. As for me, as far as who's gonna win the division, I go with the Rams at 11 and 6. Um, I go with the Seahawks at 11 and 6, finishing second. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, I think, will finish third, but I think they will be a 10 and 7 football team. That'll be good enough to make the playoffs. And then Arizona at 8 and 9. I'm not so I'm not sold on Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. Um, and I'm looking at the other three coaches that he's got to coach against in his division. They're far superior to him. Um, the, the, the Cardinals, they've tried to do a lot. They, 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 they went out and signed a lot of big time free agents, um, and got and acquired some pieces, but I still don't think they, I still don't think they, they're the odd team out. They're the odd ball out in the division because their division is just so damn good. So those are my, uh, predictions for this upcoming NFL season. Like I said, there's a couple coin flips in there, but I feel pretty solid about um about this playoff picture. Uh, and let me read you guys my playoff teams lastly. Uh, so I have Tampa Bay, obviously, in the playoffs. Uh, the Rams will make the playoffs. The Cowboys, I, they, these are the division winners. Uh, Buccaneers, Rams, Cowboys, Packers. Those are the division winners. The three wild card teams, uh, Seattle, the 49ers and the Washington football team. Those are the three wild card teams. And then the AFC, I have Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, and Indianapolis. Those are the four, those are the four division winners. And then my three uh wild card teams, Cleveland, Chargers, Patriots. Those are my three wild card teams. The AFC is loaded. The AFC is really loaded. So there's some there's some really good teams. That's not going to make the playoffs in AFC. Some really good teams. Uh, but those are my predictions. Those are my playoff teams. Like I said, there's some coin flips in there. Like Miami, New England, kind of a coin flip. Indianapolis, Tennessee, a coin flip. You know, uh, you know, Seattle, Rams, 49ers, coin flips. I think all three of them made the playoffs, though. So those are my predictions. <clears throat> I just realized I made a mistake when I was talking about the Chargers. I mentioned Elijah Vera Tucker. So Elijah Vera Tucker plays for the Jets. He got drafted by the Jets. Uh, Rashawn Slater, uh, he got drafted by the Chargers. So I meant to say Rashad Slater and Corey Lindsley. Uh, that's just a quick, that's just, that's just an era of mine. <laughs> um, but yes, Rashawn Slater, high hopes, high ceiling. Uh, I think he's going to make an immediate impact with the Chargers offensive line along with Corey Lindsley. So let's, let's shift gears to um, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow of the Jacksonville Jaguars, or I should say formerly <laughs> of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you have not heard, the Jacksonville Jaguars cut quarterback turned tight end Tim Tebow. Uh, Tim Tebow, obviously former NFL quarterback, played for the Broncos, played for the Jets, uh, played uh, for the Patriots for a little short stint. Then, you know, came back, tried to play tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer, his former college coach, gave him a shot. 
after the first preseason game, he got cut. Simple as this. The tape don't lie. The tape don't lie. And it was a failure. This was this was a failure from the jump. Simple as that. It, it, this, this, this was a failure from the jump. And Tim Tebow, he's a very likable guy. That's why, that's why I like you hear two different perspectives from this, from you know, on, on this topic because people love Tim Tebow and people look at him as a he's a very likable figure, which he is. But the point is in this conversation, because this is not about how you know how good of a person you are, and I, that's great. We need more people like that. In society, but in this conversation, we're talking about being able to play a professional sport, and Tim Tebow obviously cannot. <clears throat> Simple as that. He can't. Um, I, I, and, and like I said, the tape don't lie. He got embarrassed on Saturday, uh, and to and, and just to think that a guy who okay hasn't been in the NFL for eight years. Or what? What seven, eight? It's what six, to eight years. He hasn't been in the NFL for years. Tries to come back at the age of thirty-four. No, n- n- never mind the fact that he's trying to come back. Get this: he's changing his position from a quarterback to a tight end, a position he's never played. He's never played that position. But you know, at thirty-four, he's going to try to figure it out. And as I thought it would. It's short-lived. Um, it didn't work out. And like I said, it was a failure from the jump. It was a failure from the jump. And and, and I knew Urban Meyer couldn't. I knew he'd come around to his senses. He couldn't risk giving Tebow a, a, a spot on this 53-man roster. And what people don't understand is, like the casual fan, like there's a it's a 53-man roster, right? But on game day, about 46 dudes dress up and are available. You can't risk giving Tim Tebow one of those spots when he doesn't bring no value. And it, 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 like it, it's just a wasted spot. So I think Urban Meyer, he, he saved some of his credibility with cutting Tim Tebow. Right after the first preseason game, because like I said, the tape don't lie. The tape don't lie. And everybody is into, you know, and the story, the story itself was cool. Okay, that's good for now. It, it, it gave it gave the Jacksonville Jaguars a little bit of attention for now. But this Tim Tebow thing was never going to work out. There were some people that thought it was going to work out. Maybe they're just big fans of Tim Tebow. I don't know. But I knew it wasn't going to work out, and tight end a lot of a lot of a lot of the tight end position is blocking. You got to be able to block, or you gotta you gotta have some want to to block. And Tim Tebow, I, I don't know if he had that desire to block because blocking is just it's a mental thing. It's it's a lot of want to. You gotta want to do it, and. He, I saw him on. I saw some footage. I, I was watching the game, but I even replayed some of the game. And I'm like, 
he just gets manhandled. He gets embarrassed. So, I like I said, I like Tebow. I think he's likable, but that's not the conversation. The conversation is him playing professional football, and he just can't do that. Tim Tebow, I felt Tim Tebow was always good on Saturdays, but no use for Sundays. Good on Saturdays. When I mean Saturdays, I mean college football. Good on Saturdays. All-time great college football player. But I never thought those skills and those talents, his talent, translated into Sunday football. He's played. He tried a different position. It didn't work. Simple as that. Um. So I'm glad Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars made this decision because Tebow, it it, it just wasn't going to cut it. The tape don't lie. Simple as that. Um. Let me let's let's do, let's finish up talking about some of these uh, rookie court. Uh. So I'm a I'm a top this episode off with this as far as with these rookie quarterbacks. <clears throat> as I said at the top of the episode. A lot of this, a lot of success is some of the success of these rookie quarterbacks, or I should say a lot of it, at least for their first season, is going to be based upon where they're at, their foundation, their supporting cast. Um, at, by the end of the season, if you were to tell me that Mac Jones and Trey Lance were the winniest quarterbacks out of the out of the five guys that were taken in the first round. I would believe you. If you were to tell me that, I would believe you because as I as I broke it down, the what what the Patriots are going to ask Mac Jones to do is going to be totally different from what the Chicago Bears asked Justin Fields to do. Because I think what I saw from and, and, and like I said, I saw glimpses of what was advertised from all of these guys. Everything, all you know, a lot of the stuff that was advertised about these guys, I saw glimpses of it from all five of them. Um, like I said, Mac Jones, not the most athletically impressive, impressive, didn't have the strongest arm, but once again, New England is not gonna ask Mac Jones to put up three, four hundred yards. They're not gonna, they're not gonna ask him to throw for three hundred yards, you know, across the air. They're, they're not gonna. They're not gonna ask him to put up MVP caliber numbers. They're gonna ask him to do what he does best: intermediate throws, accuracy, anticipating passes, being efficient, not turn over the football. That's what the Wings gonna ask him to do. Their defense, like I said, their defense is gonna keep him in a lot of games. So, but when I look at Chicago with Justin Fields, Chicago. They're gonna ask Justin Fields to do a lot, and when you look at Chicago's situation or Justin Fields' situation in Chicago, you see a, a, a patchwork offensive line. Um, they just added old. Oh, uh, they just added an older Jason Peters. Jason Peters, in, in his prime, was really good, but he's no longer in his prime. That's the problem. So it's a pat. It's a patchwork offensive line. Uh. Chicago's skill positions aren't that great. So after Allen Robinson, it's a lot of young, it's a lot of young pass catchers. 
um, and wideouts that that Chicago have that Justin Fields will be depending on. So Chicago and Matt Nagy, they're going to ask Justin Fields to make plays with his legs. And and he's going to be, I think, and I think Justin Fields is going to pan out just okay because he's going to make a lot of, he's going to make a lot of plays as we saw in preseason. Like I said, it's only but so much you can take away from preseason. But as you saw in that game, he can make plays with his legs and the athleticism almost like, is that our, is that our quarterback or our like receive like we like he, his athleticism pops off your television screen. So that's what I mean about different situations, different foundations, different, you know, these quarterbacks are going to be, they're going to be asked to do different things. I look at Trevor Lawrence, that Jacksonville roster is not that good. I think, like I said, and like I said, my predictions, I think they went about five to six games. Um, they play in a weird division, but it's a, it's a. I think I think Jacksonville needs another year, of drafting and free agency before we can really get a telltale sign on their roster. But it's a it's a bottom. It's definitely a bottom half of the league roster. Uh Trevor Lawrence, like I said, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be able to make all the throws. He's going to show his athleticism when he needs to. Um, he's going to be, he's going to, he's, he's going to present himself well. He's going to be accurate with the ball, but very much a working progress with, with, what he's working with. Like they played the Browns. You got to ask yourself how many, how many of the Jacksonville Jaguars guys start for the Browns? Not a not, not much. Those first teamers, a lot of those guys on the first team for the Jaguars, they're not even starting. They're not, I'm not even sure if they're backups for Cleveland. So that just shows you the disparity in talent between Cleveland, a team that's really good. You know, you look at their roster, really good roster, and Jacksonville. I I, I look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance, like I said, I like I already said, Super Bowl quality roster, Super Bowl level roster. Hell, who knows? Trey Lance at the end of the year could very well win a playoff game. Now, granted, like I said, this is why we got to add context. This is why we got to have some gray area. He may very well be the first quarterback out of this draft class or out of the out of the five quarterbacks that we're talking about. He may very well be he may very well win his first playoff game. He may win a playoff game. But he's going to win it based upon the parts and the pieces that he has around him. George Kittle, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, strong offensive line, great play caller, great running scheme. So he's going to have all of these dynamics around him that's going to flourish around. Be, he's going to flourish because of these, these things, this the supporting cast that he has. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody told me Mac Jones and Trey Lance by the end of the year are the two most winniest rookie quarterbacks out of the five guys, it wouldn't surprise me at all because I'm looking at their situation. They have better coaching than all of the, the than the rest of the than the rest of the quarterbacks. Uh, they have better overall rosters. 
New England, uh, New England's offensive personnel isn't great. It's not great. But like I said, New England and Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, they're not going to ask Mac Jones to, to be this prolific passer. They're not going to ask him to do that. So they're not going to ask him to sling the ball over the place. So he don't have to have the best talent to do what he's what he what he what he you know what he does best. Zach Wilson, I like him a lot. I, I do. I, Zach Wilson's kind of grown on me, but he has the fourth at best, the fourth best. He has the fourth. He has the he has the worst coach in the division by default. We know what Brian Flores is. Brian Flores. We know who he is. We know who we know who Bill, obviously Bill Belichick, Sean McDermott. So it's an uphill battle for 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 um it's an uphill battle for Zach Wilson. I feel like uphill battle. That's just me. It's an uphill battle for for Zach Wilson. The Jets roster it it it, it doesn't lack talent. Like I said, I made the mis- I made a blunder. You know they tried to you know they 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 have Makai Becton. And then they also drafted Elijah Vera Tucker. They got also Elijah Moore. So they got they got some pieces that he'd be able to play with. He'd make some plays. A lot of the all these guys will make plays. They will have their moments throughout the season. But as far as production and winning, like I said, I think Trey Lance has the best situation. He's going to, he's walking right into a Super Bowl quality roster. With a offensive mastermind and Kyle Shanahan, with great weapons around him and a solid defense, Mac Jones, like I said, Patriots—they're not going to ask Mac Jones to do a lot. They're going to ask him to do the things that he's good at, which is anticipatory throws, being accurate, uh, not forcing turnovers or not throwing turnovers or not giving the ball up, being efficient—all of these things. That's Mac Jones. But guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, um, Zach Wilson, they're going to be asked to make plays. And they all, all three of those guys, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, are definitely good. They're, they're, they're most likely going to start week one. And I think Justin Fields is probably going to start week one. Those three guys are going to be asked to start day one. And they're going to be asked to make plays. Mac Jones. You know, his playing status still, still, you know, questionable. He could win the job and start week one, you know. But we'll see. And then Trey Lance, like, I, I don't think Trey Lance plays. I don't think he starts weeks one. I think Jimmy Garoppolo starts. I think Justin Fields, I think he'll probably get the nod. Andy Dalton doesn't have any sweat equity with the Bears. He just got there. He don't have any equity within the Bears organization or the locker room. So we'll see how it works out. But keep that in mind as we continue the course, as we continue this season, as we get deeper and deeper into the football season, and hopefully I think all five of these quarterbacks will play at some point. I don't know when. Like I said, the, like I said, the three guys that I think is going to start day one, Fields, uh, Lawrence, and Wilson. I think they start day one, but I think Mac Jones at some point will get to see the field. And I think at some point Trey Lance will probably get to see the field. 
So let's let's see how all of this transitions and pans out throughout the course of the season with these rookie quarterbacks. It should be very, very interesting. But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I got a special guest coming on. I got a guest coming on on Friday um, or for Saturday's episode, I should say. Uh, so stay tuned. Stay ready for that. Uh, but I greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Always remember, two choices, one decision. Um, I am out. Peace. Deuces. Enjoy. <laughs>